Hello everyone and welcome back to No Talking At All with me, Apeksha. It's a rainy afternoon in Bangalore while I'm recording this intro uh, and it's definitely gotten me in the mood to be a little pensive and think about some of the things that matter in life and I think this episode is going to do the trick for me and hopefully for you as well. I'm really excited to introduce you to yet another one of my friends who comes from a slightly different background uh, from some of the other people we've had on the show so far. So sit back, relax, and let's start with our theme music. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to No Talking At All. I am so excited to be here with one of my very best friends, Subanki. So Subanki and I met back in college. Uh, I was a bio major. She was a chem major. So naturally, we had a lot of overlapping classes. And we were also in the same freshman dorm and sophomore dorm and junior dorm. So basically, I like camped out at her apartment a lot. Um, you know, we went to the gym together a lot. Um, and she's even come to visit me in India and I visited her family in Rochester. So we're thick as thieves and I'm so excited to have her here. Subanki, a very warm welcome to the show. Are you excited to be here? Thank you, Apeksha. I'm really excited and happy to be here with you. Awesome. All right. So we'll just jump right into it. And I want to set this first question up so everyone understands why I thought you would be a great candidate to speak on this show. So Subanki, you were born in Canada to Sri Lankan parents and currently live in the United States. So how do all the cultures of these different places mix and mingle to form who you are today? So I was born in Canada and lived there for almost 11 years before moving to the United States. So honestly, I remember a good five to six years of my life growing up in Canada. And Toronto was a melting pot. There were definitely a lot of different cultures, different people, a lot, a big Sri Lankan community in Canada. So growing up, we were able to go to Tamil classes, attend cultural programs, and just see family all around us. And then when we moved to the United States, that drastically changed for us. Um, there wasn't a huge Sri Lankan community here in America, and the only people we saw were either cousins or close family relatives. So that was definitely a culture shock moving from such a big city, big environment, a huge South Asian population to something small scale. And I picture you visited Rochester too, and you know how kind of rural it is compared to big cities, right? So that was definitely a shocker for us, but I was at an age where I started middle school and then went into high school. So it didn't really affect me then looking back because I was mostly focused on school and whatnot. But I think growing up, it definitely made an impact on how I viewed my culture. Um, so although Toronto was you know, such a great place to find my roots, like understand where I was coming from, I wasn't able to do that as much here. Um, but regardless, you know, coming back home, we would still watch Tamil movies, speak in Tamil. Um, so we still had that cultural tie, like growing up in the home. But in the community setting, it wasn't as prevalent. So um, that was definitely something different <laughs> going from Canada to the United States. Yeah, that's very interesting. One thing that I was really curious about, actually, was just like how many... Um, people from Sri Lanka or even like other parts of India who live in the United States and Canada actually speak Tamil because I know for Hindi, it's quite a toss up. Like some people surprisingly 
are just like they can only understand and that's the extent of their conversational ability and some people speak almost as well as someone um, who is from India right so um, how have you seen that in the various circles that you've walked mm-hmm. so in Canada a lot of the Tamil people, Sri Lankan Tamil people, spoken Tamil, even the kids spoke, because the parents spoke to them at home. Right. Um, and there were even classes, as I mentioned, in the Toronto community. But coming here, even having cousins who were born in America, brought up here, they would honestly not speak as much Tamil here. Mm. So that was also another difference, right? Yeah. Because language is something that's very important to me and something I still continue till date. But um, not a lot of kids I think have that opportunity here um, unless you know you're speaking with grandparents or whatnot but they're a little more reserved and shy in my opinion um, here yeah yeah were there any like second generation Americans or Canadians that you encountered or was everyone kind of first gen for the most part they were first gen Um, that's that's another big difference too in Canada we see a lot of first gen but here in America, I think there were a lot more second gen, like parents who came in like the early 70s mm-hmm. versus my parents that came in the late 80s. So there was there was a difference there where here they were more like educated and were more attuned to the culture, American culture, which may have caused that difference, right? Right. Like, of speaking the language and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. So that brings me to my next very important question. How exactly did your parents get to Canada from Sri Lanka? Like, why did they decide to move? So just going back history-wise, at that time, there was an ongoing conflict between the Sri Lankan government and the Tamil minority, the Tamil Tigers, um, up north, which is where my parents were from. So due to that ongoing conflict and war that ended up happening, um, a lot of the younger Sri Lankans were forced to kind of leave their country. If not, they would be dragged into war Mm. or some other issues. So that was a huge concern for my grandparents, sending my parents to other countries to flee their own homeland, Mm. um, which was very sad. But for better opportunities, they had to leave their country. So my dad actually left first. He left Sri Lanka in the late 80s um, and went to Canada as a refugee, Um, claimed no status and went there, started his life and then sponsored my mom who came afterwards. Wow. Um, so a lot of Sri Lankans in that aspect either went to Canada, um, the UK, Australia, United States. I don't think they allowed it back then unless you were like sponsored by family. Mm-hmm. So it was harder there. But in general, a lot of Sri Lankans actually went to Canada as refugees first. And my parents were one of those in the early 90s, late 80s wow. to kind of start that trend. Um, and then they honestly emphasize education and starting a new life. Um, so that's something they still harp on today um, because they couldn't finish what they started in Sri Lanka and they had to leave their home country. Mm. They wanted something different for us and for the future generations. Yeah, I'm sure like the, <clears throat> I'm sure the community in Toronto is probably really close knit because a lot of people shared a very similar history, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of Sri Lankan families in Toronto, like, literally had the same story, right? Like, their parents left because of the war. Like, that is 90% of the time why someone left Sri Lanka, um, a lot of the millions. So a lot of us kids growing up shared that similar upbringing or, you know, why we are the way we are. So that's something I connected with 
even though I was only like seven or eight, you know, growing up. But my sisters too felt that way. Yeah. Have you been back to Sri Lanka with your family since then? And has it been kind of like a charged experience just because of that heavy background? That's a great question because I did go in 2003 and I was only seven then. And we visited up north, uh, but there was a ceasefire at that time. So the war was actually still going on, but arms down, we were able to visit our family up north. Um, And there were checkpoints actually, like between the different like cities and towns. And I remember there was one checkpoint where I think it was the Bumble Tigers that had that checkpoint and we had to go through that. And it was like, I still remember it. They would check our bags and everything and they had like their uniforms on. And like looking back, it's it's crazy how that happens, right? Like you're at a young age, you just have to go through this and see all that's happening to like your parents' home country. Yeah. Um, but hopefully all that is over and things get better in Sri Lanka. But that's the only time I visited. Um, haven't been there since. Wow, wow. That's so interesting because I feel like Sri Lanka is now, if, if I talk to people about it, they're like, oh, it has such nice beaches and the food is so good. And I'm just like, you know, I think people forget that it went through this really significant conflict and that people's lives just had to carry on during that time. So it's really interesting that you got a chance to experience that. I'm sure it was super weird for your parents too. Um, and your family who was there through all of that, like they didn't even leave the country. Yeah. So yeah, my dad has a sister living there, but I think it's a different part of where like the war was actually taking place. Like it's more like Northeast compared to like central Sri Lanka, but luckily, yeah, they weren't affected. I know a lot of people who had like family members who died in the, like in the war, civilians too, right? Because they were affected a lot Mm -hmm. by all this. So it was a very tragic incident that maybe sometimes people forget about. They just think Sri Lanka is like this tropical vacation island. Yeah. (laughs) But a lot of, a lot has happened to the country. Wow. Would you want to go back? I would. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would want to visit India first and then Sri Lanka. Um. But definitely, I think, I think it's my responsibility to like go back and see what's going on again and kind of reconnect with my roots. I think I lost a lot of that because of the war, probably. And I didn't hear much stories because my parents were really sad about the whole situation. So they didn't really talk much about it. But I think now we're talking about it. And we're like, we need to go visit Sri Lanka and see, you know our home country. Yeah, see what's up. All right, so you said something that's a very good transition for me. Um, so one of my favorite things about you, Savanki, is that you're really, really, like, in tune with Indian culture. Um, like, you've toured the country, as I've kind of, like, as we've alluded to already. Um, you were a very proficient Bhangra dancer. You were on our school team, which is a pretty big deal, because Carnegie Mellon's Bhangra team is famous um and you've watched a lot of Bollywood movies like you're very in tune with not even Bollywood Tollywood like all the different um you know relevant industries so where does this connection with India come from exactly I get this question asked all the time because anytime (laughs) I tell my parents or sisters I'm like I need to go to India I need to book a flight (laughs) and their question is the same thing like why India and honestly I don't have a good answer (laughs) to this but Something about India always resonated with me. I I don't know if it's like the culture, like the language, the food, whatever it is, the um, the hospitality every time I go there. But something about India has always been very warm to me. Um, And 
sometimes people differentiate like, oh, you're Sri Lankan, so why are you going to India all the time? Yeah. But I think we're all part of that like South Asian community that it doesn't matter. Like I speak double and so do South Indians, right? Right. Like we share that connect, that bond. So why not <laughs> visit that country is my reasoning, but other people might say something else. Um, but regardless, I think there is a lot of history, no matter how many times people say it. That country is rich of culture and history. Like thousands of years ago, like temples were built, like ancient places were manifested there. So each state has its own like unique like diversity. So I think that's something I still want to explore in India and what brings me back possibly. Um, but yeah, I think overall like the Indian culture it's it's very vibrant like it's overset but it's it's the truth right even Bhangra like it's something I never expected in my life like I never knew how to dance before I joined the dance team uh-huh. um but it's just the music the culture everything about it just resonated with me like even if I hear Bhangra music right now or at a wedding like I would be on the dance floor like that's how it is for me there's no divide or anything it's something I've always been passionate about even watching movies I honestly I think it started with the movies too right like at home we would watch Tamil movies um that would like take place in India or whatnot yeah and that's something I still keep up till day and kind of connect with so all these little things kind of added up and I've always been in tune with what's going on in India like what I want to learn more about and why I want to go back again and again. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that language was kind of a, a vehicle that you were able to use to connect with the country because, I mean, you just talked about it. Every state in India has a very different culture and you could argue that language is one of the more divisive elements in India because so many states have it unique. So that's so cool that <laughs> you come from a place where you know the language actually matches up and gives you access to the country. Do you think that that made a big difference in helping you connect with India? Definitely. I think language is probably that like easy access to India. Yeah. Uh, And also religion, right? Like we hear all about religion. We go to temples and whatnot. And knowing that it all started there is also another connect for me, I would say. Right. Um, So not just the language, but also the the historical, like religious aspect of it really drew me to the country too. Um, But yeah, I think language first and just being in that environment was was a selling point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll get back to religion in a second. But um, something that struck me that you said earlier was just about how people are kind of differentiating between India and Sri Lanka. But I also feel like I've encountered a lot of people in the United States in particular who like aren't really aware of other Southeast Asian countries, right? So like Bangladesh, Pakistan, um, Nepal, Sri Lanka, they all get lumped up into India. So I'm just curious about your personal experience as a, you know, a, a person of Sri Lankan descent. Like, do you think that like that's a culture that many Americans are familiar with or have heard of? And do you think the community here um, kind of brings has its own sense of gravity to it that is any different from like maybe Indian communities that you've interacted with? So that is a major like difference between the United States and place like Canada, like where we saw a lot of Sri Lankans. Um, in Canada, we would know like, oh, like if they're from Sri Lanka or not. But in America, it was honestly very different. So anytime I introduced myself to anyone new or whatnot, they would ask, you know, like where I'm from. And I'd be like, my parents are from Sri Lanka. And 
they would give this confused look because all this time, you know, they're thinking I'm Indian, which which I'm not. And when I tell them, you know, like my parents are from Sri Lanka, they nod as if like they know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And I explain to them like it's an island like close to India, right? And sometimes like that's the struggle I kind of face here. I don't take offense to it at all because it's how people are brought up to believe or like what they've you know learned growing up so it's it's not a big deal but like I try to explain to them you know like India's different Sri Lanka's different but we're all part of that South Asian community so which is why like it's not a big deal but people should be more aware like there's more countries apart from India right yeah yeah um but yeah I I think in America it's very different like I said there's not a huge Sri Lankan community compared to an Indian community which is the complete opposite in in Canada and even other countries. Um, I think the United States has a bigger Indian population compared to like the United Kingdom, European countries where there's more Sri Lankans. So I definitely feel that divide there. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to share with you also like my personal exposure to Sri Lanka because I was born in the U.S., and obviously my parents were not like talking about Sri Lanka all the time because it's not super <laughs> relevant to my my personal culture. Um, but I, I think the first time I heard the the words Lanka, actually, not even Sri Lanka, was watching the Ramayan when I was really, really young because they say Lanka, Lanka mm-hmm. all the time. And I didn't really like process what that was. Um, and then in third or fourth grade, I was a part of something called Passport Club. which was basically an effort to teach kids geography during lunchtime. So we would sit with like someone and they would just test us on the countries and then we'd get like a stamp. So I remember Mm -hmm. like uh, in one kind of session that I was sitting with, um, you know, I had to identify India and then I had to identify Sri Lanka and I kind of gestured to India as the whole thing. Like I just pointed to everything. Um, Because honestly, like there are some countries that have like islands coming off of them that are still a part of the country. So I just assumed that. And I got like a big fat X, like, no, this is Sri Lanka. It's a different country. And I was like, okay, rude. But also like, okay, I didn't know that. Um, and I think after that, honestly, one thing that I was always a big fan of was Sri Lankan cricketers. Because, uh, you know, being mm-hmm. my mom is a very big cricket fan. So it's hard for me to not, you know, get involved. And Sri Lankan cricketers are amazing. They're fantastic. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Sangakara and Malinga. Like, they're just phenomenal, amazing people. So anyway, that's my Sri Lankan exposure. And actually, my um, we have family in Chennai. Um, and one of my buas, her husband's family is, like, from Sri Lanka. So when I went to her house last yeah. to last year, um, I had, like, a very lovely Sri Lankan meal with delicious fish. It was so <laughs> obnoxiously good. All right. So moving on, let's let's venture back to what you mentioned about connections with India and just your culture in general. So you talked about religion, and I know mm-hmm. religion is a huge part of your life. In fact, I think I've been to more temples with you than most of my friends, <laughs> which is definitely not a bad thing. I, I really love going with you because you're just really, really connected and like into the whole experience. Um, we tell each other interesting stories about temples too. Um, and you're also just a very spiritual being. I mean, you've even gifted me books about spirituality, <laughs> which I greatly appreciate. So I'm just curious, like, where did that really come from? Like your religious propensity? Um, and what does it mean to you today as like a 25 year old? Yeah, like, honestly, growing up, like the only memory of religion and me, like my parents taking us to the temple, because back in like Toronto, like there were many temples, but like my mom never forced me to like pray in the morning or whatever. 
Um, so religion and spirituality honestly came later on in my life. Um, I would say especially during college and stuff. And a picture like you were there in the beginning years <laughs> of like this whole spiritual journey that I like went on and stuff. Yeah. So I guess like first dividing the two, I'll start with like my spiritual journey, I guess. Um, started back like four or five years ago, I would say. Um, and it really started with reading about spirituality. I would say the books that I read is what kind of catapulted me into this like world of spirituality because I wanted to know like, okay, what is there beyond this physical world, right? Like, like what are we all trying to do? What's, what's the end goal? Yeah. Um, which is when I started reading a book um, called Passage to Meditation by Eknath Ishwaran. And that was honestly the book that kind of changed my life. I wanted to read more about meditation, which is how like the term spirituality came into it. Like I would hear about people meditating for like hours a day and like that was life changing for them. So I'm like, okay, how do you meditate, right? And that's how I came across that book. And from there on, like even through like a family friend of mine that lives here, like he was very religious and he would offer books for me to read, which is how it all kind of started. Like the way even he thought, like he thought about things and explained stuff to me kind of trajected me into this path. And I don't think spirituality, like how people define it as like you going into a forest and meditating for like <laughs> tens and thousands of years or whatever, right? Like in the olden days. Yeah. But I think spirituality can be like combined in this fast paced, like technologically advanced world. It's, mo it's more like how we think about things that makes us spiritual, mm -hmm. um, which is completely my opinion, but how I look at it, right? Like simple things, like if it's, bothering you or whatnot like why is it bothering you like why is it letting you get to you kind of thing and that's kind of my thought process like spirituality is more than just about that it's, it's about the thoughts the actions um and how you interact with other people too I think that's what makes someone spiritual and it should come from unconditional love without having any attachment or any expectations with anyone so I kind of slowly practiced in that way, especially when I started running into problems, like honestly, even through like relationships and whatnot, when I was going through like a dark period, I needed something to hold on to and like look at for a solution. And religion slash spirituality was definitely one of those avenues that I turned to. Um, and it was mostly through the books. Like I didn't have a teacher or anyone like guiding me through this process. Like I guess I was guiding myself, right? it was like the right books at the right time that kind of pushed me towards that path. Um, and I think when everyone goes through that like, tough, dark phase, like they can turn to different avenues, right? Like spirituality is one of them, but maybe like addiction or alcohol or whatnot. Um, so I, I was lucky in that aspect that I, I like held on to spirituality and looking at the bigger picture of life um, and trying to find meaning to that. And then going off of religion and what it means um, to me today, I think religion is more of like a safety net for people. Like it helps you to grow, but it's not the end all for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. I think all religions try to say the same thing. And Ignath Ishran really hones on that in his book that he even like um, brings out um, some quotes from each of the Bible, the Quran and everything that they're all trying to say the same thing. It's about how you interpret it, which is what has changed over like thousands of years, right? Like these yeah. books were written when. 
So the interpretation and how people practice religion has definitely changed, um, maybe for the better or worse. Um, but the end goal, the end meaning is essentially the same is what I got out of that book and other books that I've read. Yeah. So I think religion can definitely help some people if practiced in the right way and the right mindset. But I think ultimately, like God can have a form or not. That's not the issue, right? It's more about how you are as a person and how you treat other people. Um, I honestly think like, like whatever you do or whatever actions should not hurt anyone, like do no harm. And even when visiting India, like that was also another turning point for me because after India, like I never ate meat again. <laughs> I don't know if you remember a picture, like when we went to that Japanese restaurant, that was literally the last time I ever had meat. We had the last, <laughs> yeah. last fish meal. It was the best night of my life, but <laughs> also like like life-changing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's more like do no harm, right? Even through like thoughts or actions. And that's something I like slowly practiced, like baby step practice. And I shared it with you too. And we started reading books like The Power of Now. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh Um, We shared insights on that. And we we would even talk about how we are literally 80-year-olds stuck in a 20-year-old body. (laughs) We are old souls. (laughs) Grandma community, yeah. Yes, we were forming our own little cult. (laughs) Um, But all you like conversations even with you with other family members with friends um was all part of that spiritual journey for me and it still continues like it's not over right every day we're going to face issues and hurdles um life-changing moments but it's about how we face them and with what mindset we face them is how i interpret spirituality um like i said it's not about someone going away into the forest and trying to live that spiritual life away, like detached from everything. I think you can still practice that even with a family, with people around you, with material goods, but it's, it's about how you carry that forward in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I actually learned a lot from you and from our experiences together was I think the power of religious places um, and I say that because, I mean, you and I went to the temple that's in your in your hometown, Rochester. We went to the SB Temple in Pittsburgh. Um, we also used to go to that giant Gothic cathedral that was across the street from, yeah, from Fairfax. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, to be very honest, uh, actually a few years before that, I had gone on a trip with my parents. We went to, we did like a Rajasthan road trip. And uh, there are very, very old temples in Rajasthan, like all over the place. And I remember we entered this one and uh, a long time ago, they were built mostly with stone, right? And there, when we went into this temple, it was like nighttime. It was very eerie, honestly. Like, I always feel a little something in my chest. I don't know if it's positive or negative or what. <laughs> but there was like a huge like drum being beat. And I could feel it like in my chest. And my mom was kind of like, yeah, the whole point of building temples like this was so you could feel that vibration. It's supposed to be very uplifting and very therapeutic. Um, And after I did that, I started noticing in all these other spaces, they really try to kind of concentrate the vibrations and the energy of the people in Mm -hmm. that space um, to help you feel connected. And uh, like when we would go for Ash Wednesday and when we would just go, you know, walk around SV Temple, I would just really try to pay attention to like how that manifests across different religions. And when I was in Thailand, like we would go to the Wat and just sit there and they would always have some sort of music playing 
everyone would just be sitting and breathing very calmly because I mean Buddhism is very meditative <laughs> just by nature um but even even so like there's always some sort of part of a religious practice where you're just sitting and humming or singing and kind of closing your eyes and taking in those vibrations um which I think is really important like it's a very strong community building thing and it also helps link I guess your spiritual presence to like your physical presence it's like the most for lack of a better word, penetrative experience I've had in like, um, uh, that I can think of, um, in a room full of that many people was really, really, I think like almost, I don't want to say shaking because it wasn't negative. <laughs> like, I you know, felt, like uplifting. Like, yeah. Uplifting. No, you brought up a great point about like energy too, right? Like everything has some sort of energy associated with it, whether it's a place, even like an object, like you can kind of feel that energy and being attuned to that, um, brings out the best so having that positive attitude positive energy will also kind of guide you towards that path too um another book like the power of positive energy it was another one that changed my life so like you said like certain places have that vibration and i think the more that we kind of see that will change our perspective on life yeah i think what i'm going to do is put a little reading list in the description of this episode so people are not scrambling to write things down like wait what did she say all right so listeners if that's your concern that will be in the description of this episode all right Subanki. so let's kind of come back to what you're doing right now i think we've talked extensively about your history and like what's going on um so we know that you are well we don't know I know that you are in farm school, which is amazing. And I always tell you how proud I am of you. So why did you choose to go to pharmacy school? And what about, you know, the field uh, speaks to you? Yeah, so I knew I always wanted to help patients, I guess. Like I wanted to help people. And healthcare was something I really wanted to go into because people are very vulnerable in that field um, because Obviously, they don't know, like, what disease they have, like, how to get treated and whatnot. So seeing that really made that connection. And at that point of my career, I think it was more like, okay, do I want to do, like, medicine or something like pharmacy? And what kind of threw me away from medicine um, was that, like, you don't really have that long-term connection with patients. Like, we, we honestly live in a world where everything's, like, so fast-paced and, like, doctors literally have, like, 10 minutes to talk to a patient and move yeah. on to the next. Right. So being unable to have that connection, like walk a patient through what they're going through was something that kind of like stood out as a red flag for me, at least. Like obviously not for my sisters, but for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I learned more about the pharmacy career path, like where you can actually talk to patients about like their treatment. Because at the end of the day, like when a doctor writes a prescription, um, like if the patient doesn't know how to take it or whatever, like that there's no point in that treatment, right? So I think I wanted to intervene in that aspect and look into pharmacy and also look at like drug development. That was something that always interested me where you can like reach thousands of patients by drug development, right? Um, You're very limited like practicing as a pharmacist, but industry and pharmaceutical industry is something that always like stood out to me, which is where my career is kind of taking place right now, moving forward. So that's something I'm definitely looking into and being able to have a bigger impact on patients and healthcare in general. Okay. Well, amazing. I mean, like, 
I think that's a really good way to like hone in on an area that you specifically have identified as troubling to you. Like it's nice to be able to fill a gap that you've identified. Do you think you're going to be involved in healthcare like 15, 20 years down the line? That's a good question because <laughs> for now, yes, for sure. And we were talking about this too. Um, I think my lifelong goal is to make an impact on humanity. And I was talking about like a long-term goal of, of mine and others around me is to start an orphanage home, possibly in India or Sri Lanka, where we can kind of cultivate a warm, nurturing environment for children and bring them up to be like better citizens in this world. So kind of taking the vulnerable again. So it kind of parallels with my pharmacy career path, which I have here for patients in the Western world, but also kind of carrying that forward. And how can I use what I learned here to help patients around the world or children around the world, right? Which is where this whole orphanage plan is coming into play. Um, so I think it's something I'll definitely carry forward, at least whatever I learned and how I can help patients, how I can talk to someone and like reassure them that they'll be okay. Yeah. And you've worked with kids in the past too, right? Mm-hmm. A lot with kids. So I guess it's, it's resonating throughout my life and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a calling for me. Um, yeah. Like I volunteered at the Children's Institute and other places where I can help children. So that's something that's always on the back of my mind and something I want to do long-term too. Amazing. All right, Savanki. Well, this has been a very enriching and inspiring and amazing conversation. Um, do you have anything you would like to say to our listeners before we sign off today? Well, thank you all for listening. And I'll definitely include the book so you guys can read and have a little more insight on what I was talking about. But thank you so much, Apeksha. This was wonderful. Yeah, of course. And I want to share everyone with everyone, I think, something Savanki said to me kind of as a joke, but not a joke, when she was first getting into spirituality. So Maki came up to me and said, Apeksha, can you describe life in three words? And I like looked at her like, is this going to be some sort of bit? Like, I don't know. And Savanki, what did you say to me? I honestly don't. Oh my God. No, I remember. I remember. Come on. Come on. What was it? (laughs) Oh my God. It just happens, like, what other thing? It was something like that. You said, it goes on. It goes on. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel terrible for not remembering. I remember asking you the question. I honestly don't remember my response. <laughs> well, just know that that's had a profound impact on me. I think about it all the time. Um, I hope you're coming here really, really soon. But in the meantime, I'll just listen to this podcast episode every time I need to listen to your sage advice. Thank you so much, Subanki. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you too, Big Chef. so much for tuning in. I hope that was a spiritually enriching conversation. I have put the names of all the books that Subanki mentioned in the description if you're interested in checking them out. Um, Once again, thank you for listening. My name is Apeksha. I produce the show and our music is by Kai Roberts, who you can check out on Instagram at Kai Roberts Music. 
Thank you so much. We'll see you in the next one.